0: Hello and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast Episode 7. This is Adam coming to you from Austin, Texas. And you don't need teeth to eat my meat. Okay? Remember that. There will be a test later. So, what I'd like to talk about today are... Remakes. Remakes of popular film franchises. Uh, We're going to get into things such as the new Hellraiser series. Um, We will touch briefly, and I shouldn't have to do this, but for all of the uh, people out there who consider themselves... Insider experts on the Hellraiser series. Insider experts. And you know who you are. Um, and, I, and I don't want this to sound mean, because I'm not trying to sound mean. I'm not trying to sound demeaning. I'm just stating a fact. Uh, the character of Pinhead... In the Hellraiser series is, in fact, a man. Okay? Let the shock of that sink into your body. Okay? This shouldn't be controversial. The people who are making this controversial are... I don't know. I don't know if I can... I mean, I I wouldn't say... I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're not Hellraiser fans. They're just um, maybe they they just want to make things that they like, such as movies and books and things in their own image, as opposed to uh, accepting the canon of those properties as they previously existed before they've had their own. I don't know, let's call it awakening in their own minds, but yes, Pinhead was in fact a man, and um, also I'd like to talk about my, uh, some of my favorite remakes, Um, primarily in the horror genre as we are in October. And we're all enjoying our horror movies, and our candy, and our horror decorations, and all those sorts of things. And I want to talk about upcoming remakes that are rather pre-production, post-production, coming down the pipe. So... Let's get into remakes, shall we? I'd first like to talk about the very complicated, very long winded explanation of the Hellraiser remakes slash reboots. Um I do I I First of all, before I get into all the long-windedness, there are two Hellraiser uh, projects in the works. One at Hulu, one at HBO. Now, Clive Barker is involved in both. But... Those two projects are to make money. The people involved in those projects are making those projects for money. They are banking on your uh, and fans of the Hellraiser series nostalgia to make money. Okay, that's... First and foremost. So before I start getting into this and people start getting very emotional, um, and feeling like they had, they possess ownership over things that were never theirs. Like, um, people can have their fandom, people can have their, uh, reasons why they love certain properties, especially horror movie properties. Um, that have expansive, that have an expansive universe. Movies, books, comics, so on and so forth. Okay? And I love that people love the things that they love. Okay? But two things to remember one, th- these projects are to make money, <laughs> they're made by. Um, greedy people who some are justified in their greed, some are not. Um, but this these this is to make money on your nostalgia. That's what all of these movies are are made for. Okay, And anyone who doubts that, it's like Clive Barker, anyone who's a fan of Clive Barker, I think would would agree with me that he's a creative guy. He's a creative person who has interesting ideas and has made his interesting ideas come to life on screen, okay? He is more than capable of creating a new, different, never-before-seen concept of some type and have it made into a film or made into a comic or made into a novel, okay? But he has two Hellraiser series, being made by completely competent directors and producers, and so on and so forth, uh, being being hyped up and promoted by companies like Hulu and HBO. I mean, a lot of money is going into all these things. Why, of all properties, is he doing this? Why is he not remaking Rawhead wrecks? Why isn't he remaking fucking? Nightbreed, it's like Hellraiser is the most bankable, and that's why these are being made, okay? When people want to imprint themselves onto those type of properties that they love, I, I get it, but the people who are so insistent and high and mighty, <laughs> who are just like, for instance, uh, despite what uh, the streaming service shutter and ins- uh, their insistence that Hellraiser is a quote queer horror movie. Uh, sorry, it's not, it is not. You may see your, uh, you may see queer themes uh, within it, but never has Hellraiser been considered this triumph of gay cinema. Okay it's okay if movies appeal to gay people but aren't specifically gay. Does that make sense? Like, look at Star Wars. You know, something like that. Like a large property. Or John Carpenter films. Take your pick. You know, films that people just love. Terminator series. You know, things like that. You don't have to... Insist that, like, oh well, the Terminator is clearly uh, gay. It is a gay f- film, and it was made f- by and for gay people. It's like that is <laughs> that is that is contorting what the art, with the with the with the art piece is for for what to market market old (laughs) films from 30 years ago to what modern day gay people. Like, I think that's sort of insulting to gay people because gay people are going to be into whatever they're into, you know, like they don't need some streaming service or studio or, you know, some company company. Okay. And having lived in San Francisco, I am very wary of large name, like large uh, household name companies, um, declaring what in what is and what is not uh, representative of, of 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 gay people. That's just weird to me. That any company would put out material into the world that, that, that suggests such a thing. It's like, um, it's like, Hey, Hey, gay person, this movie is for you because it's somehow gay. (laughs) It's like, and it's like everything else. It's, it's like, it's one thing if the movie is specifically subject matter about gay people, uh, in a story, and the story is about gay people. That's great. <laughs> it's like those movies those movies are fine, you know? And it's not like those things have like never existed. You know, it's not like Philadelphia <laughs> wasn't was some obscure movie that no one heard of. Like Philadelphia, like it's like Tom Hanks. And Denzel Washington are in that movie. <laughs> like, not exactly obscure actors you've never heard of. Okay, though nowadays people would probably get mad that, like, well, Tom Hanks played a gay man and he's not gay, and that's you know that's just that's just one acting job that was taken away from a gay person. I'm sure there's some people out there that would make that crooked road uh, of logic to that conclusion, but it's like, you know, um, I, I don't personally see anything wrong with a straight actor playing a gay person like broke back, broke mountain, for instance, you know, is it's like actors jobs are to pretend to be people who are, uh, sometimes fictional, sometimes, Actual people who have lived at some time in history or currently are alive. Okay. Actors are vessels to which a character can inhabit. (laughs) I I shouldn't have to explain this to people. Okay. And um, I've also read things online that like they try to, well, Clive Barker, Famous gay film director and writer, Clive Barker, is gay. So therefore his movies aren't, are gay by default. Which I find offensive towards Clive Barker. I mean, nobody... Like, if you're into horror movies, okay? Like, The Deadly Spawn. If you've ever seen The Deadly Spawn, which I recommend people go see because it's, it's a fun monster movie. It's relatively low budget, and, uh, but it's fun. And Deadly Spawn, uh, directed by Douglas McCune, which I may be butchering his last name, but that's how I always read it. McCune. Douglas McCune directed Deadly Spawn. Now, it is reported that he is a gay man. Now, no one says, no one calls the Deadly Spawn like, oh my god, that, that amazing B-movie from gay filmmaker Douglas McCune. No one says that. Okay, it's okay, guys, listen. It's okay if a gay director makes a movie and the movie is uh, not gay. It's okay. It really is. It's going to be okay. Um maybe a more well known director, for instance, uh Gus Van Zant, have you heard of him? Well he directed Goodwill Hunting. And I wouldn't uh I don't know about you, but I wouldn't consider Goodwill Hunting to be a film about homosexuality. Uh you people with bad senses of humor out there may differ with my opinion just to be a smart aleck, but I will say um I like a goodwill hunting. I think it's a very well made movie. And uh, I mean, I like, what else? Last Days. Last Days was pretty damn good. Uh, Elephant. You know, possibly a horror movie. I don't know. Elephant was, you know, it had that Columbine massacre element to it. But, you know, it's, I don't think anyone would say that any of those movies are like queer cinema. You know, like that's that, that is what people are trying to make of the new Hellraiser series to promote it. It's like, why don't you just promote the fact that there are not one, but two Hellraiser projects in the works right now? Like, that should be enough to get people excited. But you have to insert this sort of like gender. Uh, like sexuality, like component to it that doesn't exist. Uh, Let's see. uh, James Whale. The director of Frankenstein. (laughs) 1931. Gay man. I'd, I'd like to hear some college professor explain to me that like, well, Frankenstein clearly is about, uh, a man dealing with his sexuality in a, in a world. It's like, stop it. <laughs> it's not. Okay. So I'm Frankenstein's about stop it. Like, and no one, I'm not saying anyone's making that claim, but people see, it seems absurd to make that claim about Frankenstein. Just like it seems absurd to make that claim about Hellraiser. Uh, Pasolina uh, uh, Pasolini. Pier Paolo Pasolini, I'm bad with my Italian pronunciations. A lot of vowels, it's hard for me to pronounce. But Pasolini, who we all know from uh, uh, Salo or 120 Days of Sodom, yes. Um, I, I mean, I could see people like, like talking, uh, bringing up uh, homosexuality in Sallow, but even Sallow's is like on the surface is not what it seems to be about. It's about, it's about larger governmental sort of ideas and fascist sort of things going on that were taking place in Europe, uh, <laughs> in, in Pasolini's life. So it's like, but no one's like, I don't even, I don't think people are even like, Oh, well, Sallow's like a, is a, is a queer, is a, is queer cinema. Like, no, I don't think anyone says that because the themes in it are so complex that no one's going to just re- be that reductive. No one's going to reduce Sallow down to like, oh, well, it's clearly about the the homosexual experience or even like Joel Schumacher. I mean, the Batman and Robin movies, there's a lot of innuendo to there, Clearly. But I, you know, and people don't like those movies, you know. But I, I think Joel Schumacher wanted to make his version of like the '60s Batman sort of thing. He wanted it to be campy and silly. So I see what he was doing with that movie, but I, I'm, you know, it's like I, I didn't really like those movies either. But, but no one's like, you know, like oh, Joel Schumacher, gay director Joel Schumacher is only like to reduce down his body of work to his sexuality is... That's just weird to me. Like, it's insulting to Joel Schumacher. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody would say that uh, the film 8mm, or Falling Down, or The Lost Boys is... Like, anyone who would make the argument like, oh, well, those movies challenge gender stereotypes and yada, 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 and it's and it's like, no, they're not. Joel Schumacher had a vision, and he made his vision, okay? One's about fucking snuff films. <laughs> One is about a, a guy who loses his shit and goes on a fucking rampage. And the other is about uh, vampires. <laughs> vampires that inhabit this beach town in California okay it's okay so you know like i said this is going to be long winded but i i just want to like i grew up with the hellraiser movies i've read the comics uh you know i've read the hellbound heart which you know it's been a while but i mean i remember enough to know that like what people are trying to retcon into all of that Hellraiser like stuff from back in the day. It's like, it's it's silly to me. It's silly. It's, I don't know. I don't know what people, I don't know what's wrong with people. I want to read something from, uh, this is from movieweb.com, okay? I'm going to explain exactly what all of this Hellraiser, like, and I'm not really going to get too much into pinhead is being casted as a woman being cast by a woman in both the Hulu and HBO property, because I don't care if I had it my way. I, if someone like, and believe it or not, I felt this way before I even knew any of these properties were even in development. I was like, you know, who would be a really great pinhead. Tilda Swinton. And once I heard like, Oh, we're, they want to cast a woman in the role of pinhead. I was like, oh, God, I've been saying this. Get fucking Tilda Swindon, someone who can, who already, like, she's attractive, but she looks strange. <laughs> like She has huge eyes and, and it, just her bone structure of her face, her like cheekbones and nose or whatever. Like, I feel like Tilda Swindon could act through that pinhead makeup in the same way that Doug Bradley was able to act through the makeup as pinhead. You know, that would be my first pick if I was casting a pinhead movie. That'd be my number one pick. I don't know, man. Okay, um, this is from moviewed.com. Okay, so this is, this is what it says. In a potentially game-changing legal ruling, Clive Barker is set to regain the rights to Hellraiser. Okay, let me just point out real quick this is what all of this is about. Okay. Like this idea that there's like, it's the 35th anniversary of Hellraiser and yada, yada, yada. It's like, this is all, all this like behind the scenes and shit that no one gives a fuck about is it's like, it's a giant legal battle for a guy who, in, who created something a long time ago, was trying to get the rights back to, and he wants to make money on it which he should be able to um and sort of guide the future of any kind of film adaptation or you know sh- you know TV show series adaptation you know which I think he should I think what Clive I am on Clive Barker's side with this entire thing you know I <laughs> for a ver- for a variety of reasons he's associating with really talented people to make properties, one, a film one, an actual, just sort of like series. And I'm all about it. Like more Hellraiser. Great. And if he's involved even better, but the people he's associating with to get these things made, I think will do a pretty good job. So, you know, but this is what's actually going on. Okay. I don't care what any of these filmmakers or people like producers, like, like, oh, we're so excited and this is a passion project and we are steeped in the mythology. It's like, save it, <laughs> okay? You're getting a payday to remake some shit that already existed, okay? You want to recreate something in your own image, which the other movies did, all, like all the bad ones, okay? It's a cash grab, except they're doing a high-level uh, cash grab. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cash grab done by more competent people. That's what's going on right now as opposed to some of the older movies. Um, Anyways, uh, yes. In a potential game-changing legal ruling, Clive Barker is set to regain the rights to Hellraiser. Barker, who wrote and directed the 1987 horror classic, had been in a legal battle to regain the rights to his work, not unlike what has been going on with Friday the 13th for several years now. The difference is Barker has prevailed and is now set to be control of the future of the franchise, at least in the U S according to a new report, Barker, Clive Barker quote, has successfully leveraged copyright law to recapture the American rights to the franchise end of quote Barker's attorney filed papers in California federal court that confirmed a settlement with park Avenue Entertainment. They are the production company that is currently in possession of the rights to the original Hellraiser. Those rights will now revert to Barker on December 19th, 2021. Barker has sued for a declaratory judgment that he can terminate his 1986 transfer and get back his rights to the quote Hellraiser franchise interesting note Barker's termination if effective would not take place until December nineteen twenty twenty one. 2021 if the producers can get a new movie out before then they would be legally in the clear just nothing new after that date mm. so you know not a coincidence that they're trying to get these new Hellraiser properties out before the end of 2021. The loophole that they have is that if he's a producer on it, maybe he can grease the wheels so that these Hulu and HBO don't have to be kind of, uh, you know, maybe they can go beyond December, 2021 in the production, but, um, like, it's like the, the people who made – the people at Hulu and HBO were making these things, they understand that this is going on. They'd rather have Clive Barker there, get him a paycheck, get his input, make the vision that they want to make because they know like once – once, once 2022 starts, it's like Clive Barker could stick a fucking stick into the spokes of their production and fucking change – the course of everything. So they'd rather work with him, get his input, pay him and move on. than have to fucking, you know, like have everything completely owned and controlled by Clive Barker. So it's this weird balancing act that they're doing. Um, Let's see. What else was there? Hellraiser was based on Clive Barker's novella, the help on heart using The Copyright Act of 1976, specifically, the termination provisions of law. Clive Barker was able to regain control of his creation. The law allows authors to recapture rights from publishers after waiting a certain amount of time, typically around 35 years, which happens to be this anniversary year that people claim that like, oh, we have new Hellraiser stuff coming out, like as if to commemorate the 35th anniversary. It's not. It's people scrambling to get this shit done so they can make money off of it before Clive Barker owns everything. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. By sending a notice within a five year window. Uh, that's what Barker did, though, producer Larry. Cuppin put up a fight to, uh, to prevent it from happening, things will now get complicated when it comes to foreign rights, as this only pertains to U.S. copyright law. And with other authors looking to make similar moves with their works, this could be just the first of many landmark legal decisions that put the rights to franchises back in the hands of the creators. It is important to note that this only extends to the original Hellraiser. The sequels, which have been produced for years, and as recently as 2018, are not owned by Clive Barker, but any future projects will now need to have Clive Barker on board. That could, and we stress could, complicate matters for the upcoming movie reboot, Reboot which is set to be directed by David Bruckner from The Ritual. Meanwhile, HBO is working on a TV series based on Pinhead and the Cenobites with David Gordon Green from Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. If you want to hear a great commentary on um, Halloween Kills, uh, I did one in episode 6 of this very podcast, Skeleton Factory podcast. And you can uh, check that out on Anchor or Spotify. And uh, Halloween Kills is currently available on Peacock. So, there you go. There's your, there's my plug. I'm plugging myself on my own podcast. Outstanding. David Gordon Green, uh, Halloween is on board to direct... In that case, Barker has boarded as an executive producer, meaning it will surely go ahead as planned. Oh, surely. I don't know about surely. Um, Both of these projects have been uh, in production for a very fucking long time. (laughs) So um, I think they'll eventually get made, but um, hmm. we'll see. So uh, what did all of that mean uh it meant <laughs> um let me see uh HBO will do a series Hulu will do a film HBO has Clive Barker as an executive producer um I don't know if this set is, in, is set in stone yet but they were looking at uh Elizabeth Debicki who was in the movie Tenant Christopher Nolan uh, mo- mo- uh, Christopher Nolan movie Tenant which I haven't seen but she's in that um, I have seen pictures of her and um, she looks pretty good she has big crazy blue fucking eyes and um, I don't know has this sort of like statuesque face that I think a pinhead costume could be laid on top of and it would it would look pretty good so like I said before I like a female pinhead doesn't Fucking bother me. It's the fact that people try to pretend that like Pinhead has been uh not a man. <laughs> you know, people skirt around the language, they're like, Oh, he's you know, in in the hellbound hearts, they're the, the Cenobites are referred to as androgynous, as their costumes like hit like hid their sexuality, and it's like, okay, but it's one thing to be androgynous, it's another thing to be like Hellraiser or, or Pinhead wasn't a man. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. People are strange. Uh, um let's see David Gordon Green is set to direct uh, I, is depending on what sources you read David Gordon Green is um, set to direct The Pilot and Pilot and along with several other, other episodes. So I mean that that dude I mean that dude is sitting in a sweet fucking spot. He's got Clive Barker as an executive producer. He just got done with fucking Halloween Kills. He's got Halloween Ends coming up. I mean... I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm feeling pretty good about a David Gordon Green. Hellraiser. And then, okay, so... In Hulu, uh, they got David Bruckner. They got Jamie Clayton um, playing Pinhead. Jamie Clayton also looks certainly incredibly similar to um Elizabeth Debicki actually so i mean they they both look very similar they're very pale big blue eyes very statuesque women um they have acting chops i'm not too worried about it yeah um let's see Clive barker also in a producer Position, but also uh, along with David Goyer. So, I mean, both of these properties look like they're in um, fairly good hands. So, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I mean, again. This is uh this is not a mediocre cash grab situation, okay This is a uh, a cash grab done by very talented people who are doing really cool shit nowadays and have the creator of the actual shit there to put their uh, put his input in on it so I mean that's what all of this is about people it's not about sexual identity it's not about any of that it's about making money (laughs) that's what all movies are about you know I know we love movies and we love franchises and we love how behind the scenes stuff and how things are made and all of that but movies are about making money you know that's that's why people obsess about you know the, the the first the opening weekend ticket sales and shit like that you know it's uh, people think that the the uh, depending on ticket sales that determines how good a movie is and i know you listening to this <laughs> like Just saying that out loud. Like, do you believe that a movie that is seen, that had huge opening weekend box office numbers, that determines if a movie is good or not? The obvious answer is is no. (laughs) People are going to like what they like. So, you know there's things that were monetarily popular, but a lot of things were monetarily popular like rollerblades. And we all know what happened to fucking rollerblades. So, okay, there you go. Um, also, and again, I shouldn't have to do this, but for the uninitiated, um, no, fuck that. Even the people who know better, People have read all the fucking Clive Barker books, and but it's like, um, like, Pinhead is a man. Sorry, he just is. Androgynous? Yes, so was David Bowie, but no one was like, oh, you know, David Bowie is, it's, it's, David Bowie is anything other than David Bowie. It's like, no... Even though, also, let me circle, oh, oh my god, full circle, check this out. There was that one movie where people played, uh, uh, what was that fucking one movie? There was some movie where Tilda Swinton played David Bowie. Did I just make that up? I feel like that's a thing. What movie was that? I'm blanking on that. I'll look it up right now. I don't often look things up on the podcast, but I'm going to do it right now, so you're going to have to just listen to me. Type. Tilda Swinton, David Bowie movie. Oh, okay. David Bowie. Okay. Tilda Swinton was in a David Bowie music video entitled, The Stars Are Out Tonight. Hmm. Hmm. There was another thing called, I don't know, an article popped up from Vanity Fair. Watch Tilda Swinton play a David Bowie-like rock star in a bigger splash. Okay. Well, so anyways, yeah, Tilda Swinton is can play androgynous. That's my point. <laughs> She's good at it. She's a good actress. <laughs> she can she has range. She can do shit. Also, Tilda Swinton played an elderly man in the remake of Suspiria. OK, so I don't have a problem with women playing men or men playing women. You know, like if you've seen Pose, you know, they have trans women in the leading roles of that show and they do a really good job. Some of the acting's a little uh, <laughs> there's a there's a few episodes that are like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's more of in the dramatic delivery of certain situations where you're just like, ooh, that that sounded clunky. But for the most part, it's, you know, a well-done show. You know, it's like... You know, I, so what I'm defending is the fact that there is a past... In, like, in the canon of the Hellraiser series, like, Pinhead is referred to as a he. He's referred to as him. He's, he's referred to as man. Like, like, this isn't... This isn't breaking news. This is... Hellraiser shit that's just existed for a long time. So I, I don't know when, every time I come across articles talking about the new, uh, Hellraiser series and it being played by women and it's some type of giant triumph for fucking, you know, breaking down of the gender binary and all. It's just like, it's absurd. It's like, it's not what what's happening at all. <laughs> um, here's a few examples. What was it? Uh, uh, Clyde Barker uh, he wrote a book called "The Scarlet Gospels." Um, I ran across a lot of articles of people saying that, like old articles where people were saying that he was adapting something for the screen, of like something from the Scarlet Gospels and stuff. I was like, "Oh, that would be cool." but th- those articles dried up quickly. Once, you know, once big name people started like attaching their names to doing a new Hellraiser property, like all those sort of like, oh, he's adapting this book or he's adapting that book or whatever. You know, it's like all that shit kind of went away because it's easier to write an article saying David Gordon Green is attached to direct the pilot of a new Hellraiser series than it is to be like, oh, do you remember this book that you didn't read fucking, you know, a decade and a half ago? Well, they might write a loose screenplay based on that book that you didn't read and don't know what it's about. It's like, it would take time and <laughs> to write an article to bring you up to speed on a book you never read and why uh Clyde Barger may or may not be writing some type of screenplay for it or whatever the fuck, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like entertainment news is glib garbage that sometimes has facts sprinkled within Anyways, uh, the Scarlet Gospels, um, there, there is, there are parts in it that describe Pinhead, describe Pinhead as he describes Pinhead as, um, you know, his, um, I mean, we're just going to ignore that Doug Bradley played fucking Pinhead (laughs) like most of the movies. You know, and I, I know people want to split hairs, like, "Oh, well, Doug Bradley has a deep baritoney male voice, and then they enhance his voice in the movies to make him sound even scarier and demonic and whatever." And but then they point to uh, the Hellbound Heart, to where the Cenobites look androgynous, and pinned's voice sounds uh, like a screechy girl. They said something to that effect, whatever, and I'm just like, just because someone sounds like a girl did not mean they're a girl, <laughs> it means maybe they look androgynous, but it's like you know, you go through the series and people's logic just crumbles. Um, you know, what was it? Uh, Hellraiser Revolutions, um, Hellraiser Judgment, they. Both, though They had other pinheads. There was uh, Paul T. Taylor and Fred uh, it's hard to say his name. Tata Cre- Creope? Tata Creori? Potatoes? Mashed potatoes? Um, yeah. They, okay, so you don't have Doug Bradley anymore and two other Hellraiser movies were made after that with two actors who weren't Doug Bradley in the pinhead role. Why weren't women put into those movies? Because the presumption, the correct presumption was that hell that pinhead was a, a male. Okay. Again, I don't care that a woman is playing pinhead. Like it doesn't like, doesn't matter <laughs> because the Cenobites are demons basically. You know what I mean? Like they're, um, their gender isn't, it has really, it has nothing to do with the story, okay? It's the fact that they are monsters. That's that's the bigger issue. <laughs> they're monsters from hell, okay? Uh, You know, uh, uh, penneds referred to as the hell priest, not priestess, hell priest, and I know people will argue with me that like, oh, well, there's, female priests out there. And it's like, okay, whatever. Now, now we're just getting into, now we're just, now we're just arguing over fucking words now. (laughs) Um, I mean, he's referred to as the dark prince of pain. That's the dark princess of pain. The dark prince of pain. Uh, Also referred to as the black Pope of hell. How many female popes are you familiar with? Like I I can't think of one offhand. Maybe there is one. Is there? Probably not. The black pope of hell. Okay. Um. I mean, it's uh, referred to as the cold man. <laughs> not the cold person or the cold demon or the cold cenobite or ent- entity or whatever it was the cold man. Okay. Also in the Hellraiser sequels, specifically, you know, the, in the first trilogy, the first one, two, and three, you know, they introduce a character named Elliot Spencer. Okay. And Elliot Spencer was a man who later played by Doug Bradley, who later became, pinhead okay so oh my god you know it's yeah it's like who cares if pinheads played by a woman who cares it's like the horror special effects the chains with hooks and all that shit and showing hell and uh, like that whole world like that's that's where all the budget's going to anyways You know, that's where all the money's going, to. It's going to fucking... To fucking creates this hellish world. And, you know... And, you know, it's... Fucking Peter Pan is played by a woman. And, and, and many, 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 many... Stage productions of Peter Pan. Peter Pan's played by a woman. For a variety of reasons. But no one's like, Peter Pan's you know a a genderless creature from neverland <laughs> who leads the lost boys okay so can we all stop with all the with all the nonsense can we all just put our genitals away and just enjoy the fact that we're going to have a fresh hellraiser series i think that's you know that's more important than arguing over non-binary issues. Okay? This is entertainment. Let's not drag our real world issues with each other into this fantasy world where we... It's, that's like that's like retconning the Lord of the Rings movies. Be like, well, Gandalf, Sir Ian McKellen is a homosexual man and therefore Gandalf is gay. And it's just like, come on, dude, that's not what the fucking Lord of the Rings. It was about. Okay. Can we just not do this, please? You know, it's, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. You know what it is. Most people don't give a shit. Most people are just like, they're just happy. There's a new Hellraiser series. I'm happy. There's a new Hellraiser series. It's just, but when you have to, when you have to prepare, for podcasts like this one, you have to comb through articles that are just written by people who like, do they, do they pay these people to write this shit? I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, and I'm sure these, these wonderful actresses will do a great job you know there's like Tilda Swinton in the remake of Suspiria did a wonderful job the movie's amazing wonderfully shot it looks the look of the movie's amazing it's it's a it's a new it's an awesome fresh take on a classic movie while still honoring the original source material and uh fucking soundtrack is fantastic the fact that people are literally online arguing over Pinhead being non-binary i think it's just crap <laughs> it's like grow up <laughs> worry about your own genitals uh um uh i i mean i think that this series is going to be in better hands than you know Kind of like how the Halloween, the current Halloween series is going. I think it's in better hands now than it probably was during the you know mid to late eighties, nineties. Yeah, certainly early two thousands. You know, and I don't think it's going to be. Um, hopefully, I don't. You know, hopefully not. But I don't think it's going to be. You know, just dragged into a fucking porta potty and drowned and left to, you know, be eaten by flies like some other movie properties. Like A Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, it's like. That didn't need to be made. I don't think the. You know, the Michael Keaton Robocop movie needed to be made. That movie actually. One, it didn't be, need to be made because RoboCop is a perfect film. But also, that movie, like, could should have been R-rated. It should have been rated R. It was made at that weird time where they stopped making R-rated movies and everything was PG-13. It's like, RoboCop must be R. It has to be. And uh, I actually think that movie was kind of a missed opportunity. Like, they, they really could have made something out of that. But they just kind of, like you know, pissed on their own feet. Um, you know, the Texas chainsaw massacre movies, I'm not totally pissed at or anything, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's really hard to top the first one, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) they're making another Texas chainsaw massacre. Okay. I ran across a guy the other day who is neighbors in Texas. uh, (laughs) He's neighbors with the guy who uh, directed the most recent um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's. I don't even think there's a trailer for out uh, out for it yet. They don't have a release date or anything like that. But I I think he said the guy came back from where? Where did he say? Like Romania or like Bulgaria? Something like that. Like so, it's done. It's it's done being shot. Like they're done making it, it would just, you know, we're going to get another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. So, and from what I heard, it's going to be a continuation. They're basically going to do what Halloween did. They're, it's like, it's going to be sort of a sequel. I don't know. Is there a term for a soft sequel, soft rebooted sequel? Because that's what Halloween, the new Halloween movies are. They're basically like, rebooting they're not rebooting the first movie they're rebooting the sequels uh, which I, I, is interesting but I think the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre is going to be a uh, it's going to be a few years down the line from the first movie so there's, there's going to be some separation in time between the first movie and this new one that's going to kinda I don't know it's like do I think all this is necessary no not really I don't think these movies need to be made, but we just live at a time where, um, I mean, I get it, dude. If you're a director, if you're a producer, and you're trying to make some fucking money, it's just easier to like take an existing property and just cash in. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it wrong. It just is what it is. Um, even Star Wars movies, the fucking the king or queen of cash-ins, fucking Star Wars. We're still making Star Wars stuff. It's like a, a we, like I have anything to do with it. <laughs> but Star Wars part, the Star Wars shit is still being made. Um, I haven't looked into it, but I need to look into it. Like, uh, you know, Disney puts out their timeline every so often about movies that, movies or TV shows or whatever that they're going to be working on in the future kind of like the Marvel universe, like the Marvel universe. They, they were like, okay, we're going to do these movies coming up in the future, in the years to come leading up to this point or whatever. And Disney does the same thing. It's the same company, but Disney did it with their star Wars property. And they were in the middle of all of it. They had, they're like, Oh, we're going to do a Kenobi show and a fucking whatever. And, Whatever. um but in, in the middle of all that was, um, they wanted to do a Willow TV series, like Willow the movie from the '80s, and if you haven't seen that, uh, starring Warwick Davis as Willow Ufgood and Val Kilmer as the uh, you know greatest swordsman who ever lived, uh, Mad Mardigan. and and it's basically it's it the movie is kind of like like kind of cobbled together from a bunch of sort of like things like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Like Willow's like a... He's a... Uh, let's see. What, what What is the name of his race? They're basically like dwarf. They're like dwarves. Um. Uh, There's like dwarves and then there's like regular sized people and they all have kind of... They're sort of thought of as different races. And um, Willow is lives in this village and he's sort of an aspiring sorcerer and he gets sent on this journey to return this, uh, child who's they later find out is, um, is, is, is like, uh, is like the one <laughs> is the one, uh, like child who has like a, is born with a, with a mark, with a scar that, um, the, that, the child with the mark is the one and the and the one shall destroy the evil sorceress and rule the kingdom for a million years and yada yada yada. Willow is awesome. I fucking love that movie, and I'm very excited that Disney's making a show um you know especially you know when you like see other movies and they do certain things right where you're like, "Oh, well, if you can do that movie, then surely you can do this property." Hypothetic, like when I saw the third Matrix movie? I think it was the third. That's the one where Neo and uh, Agent Smith are flying around in the rain fighting at night with lightning and shit. Well, basically, they're flying around the city like in the sky fighting each other like superhero. And this is pre-superhero movies. I saw that movie in theaters on Mushrooms, and I was like, oh my god, they're going to make a Superman movie like you're basically having two characters, final battle. that are flying through the air, in a in a large city. And I'm like, this is like, how do you not make superhero movies at this point? And then like fucking Iron Man came on uh, out after that. And fucking all the DC movies and stuff like that. It's like you, you see technology and movies get to a certain point. You're like, Oh, well, if they can do that, they can do this thing over here. And, so I feel that way about a Willow series because I'm it's going to be a series. I I imagine like The Mandalorian um like when I saw Vikings specifically Vikings like you know Game of Thrones is one thing but like Vikings was it, it was a bit more grounded in reality Not reality but where they shot it was like a real place. It was like somewhere in Finland. It was like this little it was like this little, uh, I don't know, cove or, uh, I don't know, peninsula. I don't know what the technical g- geographical term is, but it's, but it was this, uh, this village on the water in this like little valley, like in Finland. And it was like a real place. And when you look at it, you're in, we look at their village and their boats and their armor and their weapons and, um, you're just like oh, when I first saw Vikings, I was and, and I already knew that there was going to be a Willow show. I was just like, "Fuck!" If they they can make the Willow series look like this, oh my god, it'll be fucking amazing, you know. And Willow has sorcery and magic, and monsters and things like that in it too. So it made me. I mean, I'm very excited about that. Again, for all you people listening, this just just seething and hating me right now. How about the like if Willow was played by a woman wouldn't have a problem with it because it's the character of Willow. You know, it's sort of this timid farmer who becomes a hero, you know, and, you know, has to learn to be brave and and uses new magical powers to defeat evil and face fear. It's like the char- the character is more important than um, the gender, you know. And I and I'm sure Disney's gonna do do a great job with it because the Mandalorian was fucking awesome. So I'm sure Willow will be fucking pretty cool. Anyway, I'm done talking about fucking Hellraiser. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm very excited to uh, I'm very excited to see both, um, both the Hulu. And HBO projects, they sound great. Um, I don't know when the fuck they're ever going to come out. It's Like, at this point, it seems like they're going to come out next year, but I'm pretty stoked. And you should be, too. And don't let people try to fucking bait you into some sort of whatever, some sort of argument about whether or not fucking it matters that Pinhead is played by a woman or not because it's like... You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because pinhead is, it was always a man, <laughs> but happens to be played by a woman this time. Okay. There's a diff- d- big difference between saying that and being like, Oh, well, the gender was never specified throughout the history of uh hellraiser lore and why Barker is homosexual and therefore we can deduce that it's like, no, there's none of that. <laughs> there's no, there's none of that. Okay. Also, if you remember in the first movie, there was a female Cenobite. And do you know what the female Cenobite's name was? The character name? It was female Cenobite. Okay. it's, Let's let's just let's just be happy that there's going to be a hellraiser series made by competent people this time around, okay? And stop with the with the nonsense. Life's too short, people. It's way too short. You know. Everybody should be able to enjoy horror movies, whether if you're a man, a woman, a child, gay, straight, trans, you know. No matter what language you speak, what color your skin is, horror movies are for everyone. And if you watch horror movies, you know that. (laughs) There's one thing that all cultures have in common, and it's stories of, it's foreboding stories of boogeymen and creatures and monsters that lurk in the darkness, okay? Like, fucking stories as old as time, okay? Okay. We don't need to drag our crap into these uh, into these uh, properties because it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. What matters is having a good scary movie. That's that's more important than all other things. Um, let's see, talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. I guess I'm excited about that to some degree. I'm not like, you know, jumping up and down, clapping my hands excited because I've seen the other, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, remakes and Leatherface movie and eh, whatever they're, whatever. And uh, it seems obvious that Rob Zombie should have directed a, a remake, reboot sequel, soft sequel reboot of text change on masker he seems like he would be the most obvious choice because he always deals with sort of like disgusting regneck creepy characters but uh instead he's working on the monsters which he put a photo of the completed 1313 mockingbird lane monsters house and the um Characters in full makeup, in costume, of Herman Munster, Lily Munster, and uh, and Grandpa Munster, and I'm very excited about that. So that's a remake I'm excited for because that that series has been done. You know, it's old. Most people don't remember it. Most people have never even watched the Munsters. They don't have. They don't really hold that much nostalgia for it. You know, people like me do, but it's because you know. So I'm happy to see, you know, a fresh take on it. That's fine. It's like the Adams Family movies. Like the first Adams Family movie that came out um with Raul Julia, rest in peace, and Angelica Houston and Christopher Lloyd and little tiny Christina Ricci, like I was stoked. Like <laughs> like I grew up watching reruns of the Adams Family and they made like a modern day movie of it and I love their house and the portrayal of all the characters was fucking great. And, you know, that that was a good remake. You know, they just let, they let some time go by. They let people kind of forget about it. And they did something good. So not all remakes are bad. Some are good. You know, some people are very like, remakes are rather very good or they're very bad. And it's like that's that's that. I mean, why does it have to be one or the other? (laughs) Some of the best uh, remakes, like John Carpenter's *The Thing*, easily in my top. You know, uh, easily in my top five favorite horror movies of all time. Easily, you know, it's way up there. It's a fucking awesome movie. It's a perfect movie. Um, besides, you know, uh, the dude who's on roller skates—I <laughs> think that didn't age well. Oh, David Cronenberg's *The Fly*. Oh my god, fucking awesome! So good. Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis—fucking like that movie's so fucked up and it's like the body horror element. It's like the definition of a good body horror movie. The fucking Cronenberg's G- of flies. Un- fucking unbelievable. It's so good. Was a 1988, there was the um, Kevin Dillon, the blob. Oh, that movie's wonderful. It's a wonderful remake. And, I mean, it was made, let's see, in the late 80s, and the original Blob was made in the early 50s. So enough time went by, and, you know, technology, special effects got a lot better. And, you know, like, yeah. If you haven't seen the Blob, if you haven't seen The Fly, and if you haven't seen the fucking thing, go watch those movies, especially during October. They're great horror movies. You'll have a lot of fun watching them. Night of the Living Dead, which is another movie I love. The original uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. It's available literally fucking everywhere. It's um, like it's one of the like everyone should. If I had a list of like movies that horror movies that people should just see, just on principle, like you should, like you should be made to watch it in school. <laughs> <laughs> like in high school, you should, everyone should be like you have to watch Night of the Living Dead. Like you have you have to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You have to watch Halloween. It's required. It's required watching the Tom Savini nineteen ninety Night of the Living Dead. He did a remake of Night of the Living Dead, and Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead is fucking fantastic. It's great. You know, for people who are like, I don't like watching black and white movies, which I don't get that mentality at all, <laughs> especially with like Joel Cohen's fucking tragedy of Mac, uh, Macbeth that's coming out. That's in black and white. It's like, that's, that's coming out in 2022. So what's your fucking excuse? It's like, there's no reason to not watch a black and white movie. Uh, yeah. Tonzavini's, Vinis, which is in color is fucking wonderful. You can see um, Bill Mosley uh, trip and fall, and then he transforms into a rubber doll, and his head smashes on the tombstone. That's like in the beginning of the movie. It's hilarious. It's a good time. Uh, this might be a little uh, controversial, but I like the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. You know, it's so it was something different. Like I grew up with all the other Halloween movies, all of them. All those came out in theaters in my lifetime. Okay? I watched all of them on VHS. I rented all of them from video stores. Okay? I've watched those movies to death. So when the Rob Zombie ones came out, I was excited because I knew it was going to be somebody who had, like, their own vision and someone who's a giant, giant horror fucking nerd who is going to honor the source material. So... And I know people have problems with the Halloween. Like, people are like, I don't need to know what happened. And it's like the Darth Vader thing. Like, I don't need to know how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. And, and, I, and I totally understand that logic. I understand, like, people are like, I don't want to know how Michael Myers became this fucking killer with, you know, this institutionalized psycho, you know, with dead eyes and shit. Like, I get people don't want to see that, but... I want to see it. I wanted to see it when it came out, and um, you know, I, I dig it, man. I, I, I like how Rob Zombie casts his movies. There's people who shit on that. They, you know, there's people who shit on like, oh, Rob Zombie just goes to horror conventions and scoops up anyone who's in the building and just puts them in his movies. But it's like, hey, man, when uh, what was it um, in the first movie when Michael Myers gets pulled into the uh was it he, he gets confronted by the principal of his school i believe it was his principal um but when i saw that the the principal was uh richard lynch like i got all excited i was like oh fuck richard lynch and watching a little kid michael myers told richard lynch fuck you <laughs> like gave me chills <laughs> but you know and fucking Joe Grizzly played by Ken Forey. Like like seeing things like that like I enjoy. You know? And I understand those movies aren't for any, uh, everyone and most people would you know, most people would probably say Rob Zombie movies are stupid and um silly and but it's like who do you want to fucking direct these movies? Like <laughs> Like, who do you want, you know, like, uh, like Denny Vanu is, is busy making Dune. Okay. He doesn't have time to do Halloween. Like, uh, like who do you want to fucking direct this shit? You know, like Wes Anderson is not making a fucking Halloween movie. It's just not like, who do you want to act in these movies? Fucking Daniel Day-Lewis is not going to play Dr. Loomis. Alright, that's just how things are. Anyways, um, I mean, there's remakes that uh, are... mm, They're silly. I wouldn't say they're bad. And I wouldn't say they're like bad, good. I'd say they're just silly and fun to watch. Um, Like the remake of The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. Now, we are big Nicolas Cage fans in my home. I actually have a Nicolas Cage phone case. And I will take a picture of it. And uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll take a picture of it and post it on the, my social media. I'll probably forget to do that. But trust me, I have a Nicolas Cage phone case. Okay? That's all you need to know. And the Wicker Man remake is definitely silly and it has its. Nicolas Cage being crazy moments and whatever, but (laughs) I've seen that movie at least three or four times and it's like, I don't know. I like it. (laughs) I don't love it, but I like it. Um, The remake of uh, the evil dead. That's a great remake. It's different. It's a totally different story than the original and um, one and two and, It's really gory, and it's actually scary. Yes, the remake of The uh, Evil Dead is a a great remake. It's a totally different story. It has a good enough cast of characters where you know everyone's going to get murdered, (laughs) except the final girl. And I saw it in theaters, and it's insane. Uh, It fucking rains blood at the end. What else more do you want in a Evil Dead remake? Um the remake, and I mentioned this movie earlier, the remake of Suspiria is fucking awesome. It's another movie, if you ever get a chance to just watch in a theater, go watch it. You know, if it's ever playing at like Alamo Draft House or whatever theater or drive-in that's playing it, like go see that movie. It's like visually fantastic um it's you know there are good remakes out there there's also bad remakes clearly obviously you know like maybe not everyone was ready to see buster rhymes defeat michael myers using kung fu okay maybe we weren't ready for that um But, you know, Busta Rhymes fans were probably pretty stoked um, (laughs) about that particular Halloween sequel. But, um, you know, there's some remakes like uh, the remake of Martyrs. If you haven't seen the French film Martyrs, um, like in terms of movies that are just like extreme and fucked up and uh, brutal, um especially if you're just used to sort of like typical pedestrian horror films, like the conjuring movies, Halloween movies, um stuff like that, you know, it's if like if that's your frame of horror movie reference, and I'm not saying that like I'm Mr. Fucking Cool Guy because I know about some fucked up movies, but what I'm saying is like if you have a certain expectation of like, Oh, well, movies are usually inside of these, like inside of these sort of borders. Okay. Like once you see martyrs, you're just like, Oh fuck. Like this is a movie that like flew off the rails and it's a completely different thing. Like it's the movie's crazy. (laughs) It's very well made, you know, but I would say it's more interesting than say like, uh, Serbian film, which also has like kind of a high budget, and it's kind of arty, farty a little bit, but it's also like just gross, like just on the like sort of baser, gross level, you know, like you know, fucking a newborn baby to death. You're just like, oh, okay, I, 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 all right, <laughs> I don't think I needed to see or hear that, but I guess I know that exists now. So, but uh, Martyrs is a bit more. Complicated, and uh, a Serbian film is probably a bit more, I don't know, shocking um, to most people. It kind of left me just rolling my eyes, like, "Oh God, okay, we're just being gross, just to be gross now." And Martyrs is a sort of like, like, we're going to show brutality slowly, you know, in a in a slow, measured way. And it's gonna lead up to something, um, but yeah, like that movie remaking that, I was just like, mm, "What are you doing?" And it was and it was made like not long after <laughs> the first one was made. Um, also, coming like Gus, acclaimed homosexual director Gus Van Sant, uh, he remade Psycho back in the 90s with uh, Vince Vaughn and it's like I think most people were like why are you even remaking Psycho you know is that necessary you know um, there was uh, who's Bilbo Baggins what's that what was that they remade Maniac Um, I need to look up that guy's name now now it's just gonna fucking bother me what was uh uh, elijah wood yes the the remake of maniac starring um elijah wood um i don't know i tried to watch it and i tried to enjoy it and i just I, don't know, I just didn't get a lot out of it. I was like, uh eh, this is weird. <laughs> but William Lustig's nineteen eighty uh Maniac was I don't know. It, I I liked it a whole lot better. Like the movie's sort of classic and it's like if somebody tried to remake like Basket Case. You know, I'd probably watch it, but I'm just like Basket Case was good you know at the time and at the budget and everything else like in where it was made like it's like I don't you know I'm like I'm not checking for a basket case remake (laughs) case in point if you ever seen that movie malignant that's basically like basket case except basket case is better and it was done for way less money (laughs) um let's see I don't know. I don't I don't like I don't like poo-pooing uh movies. Like I'm not that type of podcast where I just shit on movies. Like I just it's not my character. I'd rather just talk about things I like to talk about. Um but I'm talking about remakes, so I got to at least talk about ones that I was like, "Why did you remake that?" Um like Poltergeist. The remake of Poltergeist with um was Colin Farrell. I think Colin Farrell plays the like Craig T. Nelson dad character. But I was like, why are we making poltergeist? Like poltergeist was fine the way it was. And I know it's like, it's very eighties and the special effects are kind of like whatever. But like those first two poltergeist movies, like I like, like there were movies I saw as a child and they like, like was like, it was actually kind of scary and weird. And you know, um, it's just one of those things where they had Colin Farrell and it just didn't work out. (laughs) But Colin Farrell's doing great now. I mean, he's in, um, uh, the killing of a sacred deer. He did, um, he was in the lobster. I love those movies. Those movies are great. Like I think when Colin Farrell has the right environment, like that dude will knock it out of the park. I think he's a really good actor. Um, Let's see. There was the remake of let the right one in. And that one was, uh, I think they just, it was called let me in like that. Like they changed the title. Like they didn't even keep the title, but it was basically the same movie. And I don't know. The original let the right one in was a wonderful, um, vampire tale. Um, um, in terms of some of my favorite um, vampire movies, like let the right one in is great. And it's like, uh, let's see, it's from 2008. So it's been a while since that first came out, but like, that is a great vampire story from, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you can just take like, okay, I'm going to make a vampire movie. Okay. Like you have a lot of latitude, like you, There's a lot of things you can do with a vampire story and uh, some, (laughs) some people make horrible movies and every once in a while you get somebody who has a, a, an interesting take, something that's beautiful to watch. And uh, there's a weird innocence and humanity to let the right, let the right one in. Um, So if you haven't seen that, that's watch that this October. If you're, if you're like, I want to watch a like a vampire movie. It's like watch that. That that's maybe a vampire movie of a different kind of flavor you haven't watched before. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see, The Hitcher. Oh my god, the original. Uh, C. Thomas Howell and Rutger Hauer, The Hitcher. That movie's great because Rutger Hauer's like the Joker. He's like Heath Ledger Joker. He's just like thrives in chaos. Like all he's interested in is, is, chaos. And he just fucks with C Thomas Howell on the road. And he's like, he's like on this road trip and he just decides like, I'm going to fuck with this kid for an entire movie. <laughs> but they remade that. Um, I don't know. Like, Tried to watch it, and I was like, it's like, okay. But I just don't remember anything about the movie, even though I know it was a remake. <laughs> so I can guess what happened, but nothing specific in the remake. I was like, eh, whatever. If you want to see another, if that's a, if you're still looking for horror movies, I know it's like still like, it's, we're kind of getting past the middle of October, but you want to see, uh, you know, You want to see some movies that uh, were remade, but you want to see the originals of, please. Like I mentioned, Nightmare on Elm Street earlier, and it's like, like watch the original, watch the original Wes Craven Nightmare on Elm Street, watch The Hitcher, watch Let the Right One In, uh, the original Poltergeist, Maniac, Psycho martyrs, if you want to get extreme, um, I, it's like, those are all movies that were remade and, and there was no reason to remake them. <laughs> but if you want to watch really good remakes, please watch the thing, watch the fly, watch the blob, uh, Tom Savini's nine the living dead. Um, Rob zombies, Halloween. If you're, if you are willing to watch a Rob zombie movie, like I know people push back against Rob zombie a lot, which I still I don't get, but, um, you know, he made two Halloween movies. So if you got time to burn to just sit around and fucking watch scary movies, like watch those two. Um, if you want to see something silly, please watch, uh, <laughs> Nicholas Cage, wicker man movie. But if you want to see something with a little more sophistication and depth, like watch the remake of Suspiria, watch the remake of the evil dead. And if you want to see something that's like what I consider, okay, I know, these next three movies I'm going to mention people actually love. They're more contemporary and people think they're really cool and they have their own following, whatever. But I just think they're kind of like, okay. Um, like they do some things, right. They have some interesting stuff in it that, you know, the cool shit in it. They have cool kills and stuff like that, but I'm just like, whatever I could take it or leave it. Um, child's play, the remake of child's play. I thought was interesting. Um, the end is disappointing, but I just thought the movie like a, a good two thirds of the movie I was like, oh okay, I'm on board <laughs> then it just lost me at the end but you know maybe you'll like maybe you'll like the entire thing I don't know different strokes for different folks um let's see um the remake of Dawn of the Dead which is I mean it's no this an older movie at this point, <laughs> but, um, the remake of Dom of the dead was pretty decent. And, um, um, then there's like, well, it, I didn't watch it chapter two. Cause I just, I saw it one and I was like, I don't care. And it's not that I'm like, I covet the original Tim Curry. *It* movie and I'm just like unaccepting of a sequel it's like I didn't even really like the original it I was just like whatever he cares you know Um those are remakes that people you know they have their following but I'm just like whatever I'm just sort of indifferent um, there's gonna be a bunch of like Stephen King remakes coming down the pike soon I know they're gonna remake like fire uh, Firestarter and you know Whatever, good for Stephen King. Uh, there's a lot of shit that he probably needs to get fucking remade anyways, because there was a lot of weird shit in the like 90s. I was like, what the fuck? I'd like to see him, uh, somebody remake The Langoliers. I thought, like, I mean, the original Langoliers I kind of like, because it is silly, and, but it's a weird concept. And um, I'd like to see that remade. So if you want to see, like, a weird Stephen King movie, like, watch The Langoliers if you have time, if you're just sitting around doing Nothing. <laughs> You know, there's, you know, there's better 90s Stephen King movies, you know, uh, like Thinner. I'm a big fan of Thinner. Uh, I like Sleepwalkers. You know, Sleepwalkers definitely suffers from its problems. Um, It's a weird movie, but I fucking like that movie. You know, if you want to, you know, if you watched it and you're like, oh, what else is this Stephen King guy made? You know, what other movie adaptations on there? Like, go watch Thinner. You'll like Thinner. It's interesting and sleepwalkers is just weird. You know, if you want to watch something weird, you know, and you know, you won't feel completely ripped off by the end of it. Watch sleepwalkers. Why not? Um, what else is going on? Well, I did go to the house of torment here in Austin, Texas, and it's a giant, um, it's a big deal. It's a, um, it's, three haunted houses and the tickets weren't cheap. The tickets were like 40 bucks and, but they have like very high production value and they have like actors that jump out and scare you and all this sort of thing. And, um, it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. Um, you know, and I, I believe it's still running throughout October and maybe into early November. I could be wrong, but you happen to be in the Austin, Texas area, um, throughout the remainder of October, like check out house of torment. It's a fun haunted house type of thing. It's a, it's a good time. I went with a couple of people and we had a good time. Um, I wanted to read the, uh, the waiver cause you have to sign a waiver like online. It's like you buy the tickets and then there's like a list of like the rules of things that you can and cannot do. And then there's a whole separate waiver that you need to electronically sign and acknowledge the rules. Here's just an excerpt from the waiver, it was really long. Um, um, but this is the House of Tournament, um, an excerpt from their liability waiver. Okay, here we go General Assumption of Risk and Waiver of Liability. I agree that House of Torment, Haunted House reserves the right to refuse admission to anyone. I will experience intense audio, light lighting, extreme low visibility, strobe lights, fog, damp or wet conditions, moving floors, special effects, sudden actions, and an overall physically demanding environment. I will not enter. If I suffer from asthma, heart condition, am prone to seizures, have physical ailments, have respiratory or any type of medical problem, am pregnant or suffer from any form of mental disease, including claustrophobia, I will not enter if I am intoxicated, wearing any form of cast, medical brace using crutches or have any type of physical limitation or using drugs of any type. I will not smoke, run, eat, or drink inside the attractions. I will not touch any of the actors, customers, or props inside the attractions. I will not take any photos or videos inside the attractions. (laughs) And that's just one paragraph. ...out of this uh, liability waiver. God damn, they covered their ass on everything. If you have any physical ailments... ...it's like anything. If you have a hangnail... ...if you... <laughs> you know, ...chipped your tooth on a glass... ...previously in the week... ...if you ever stubbed your toe... ...or bumped your shin on a coffee table... If you have an ingrown hair, any ailment at all. If you have itchy eyes, uh, you know, like anything, they don't want you. They don't. They don't want anyone suffering from anything to go to this thing. But there was a lot of people there. It was fun. It was a good time, and it was a, uh, you know. There was there was actual some actual scares in there. There were some things that actually kind of scared me, and not just shocked me, because there's you know people who jump out of the darkness and just kind of scare you. Like, but that's being startled. That's not really fear. That's just like, oh, he startled me. It, there was actually some stuff where you're just like, oh my god, I actually was kind of freaked out for a second. But it was a good time. Again, if you're in the Austin area, go check out the House of Torment haunted house. Get your tickets. Um, yeah. And I if you do go, get there early. Okay, the parking is a fucking nightmare. So, anyways. I'm going to wrap it up. This has been the Skeleton Factory Podcast Episode 7, where you don't need teeth to eat my meat. So, um... So yeah, we have a lot of remakes and reboots uh, to look forward to in 2022 and beyond. You know, some are good, some not so good. And, um, you know, we'll talk about them as they come. But thank you for listening. And uh, I will check you all next time um, if you need any updates on upcoming shows you can find it on Instagram at skeleton underscore factory and that's where I post for this uh, podcast so if you're, if you're wondering where else you can go to currently that's where um, that's where I post updates for new shows Anyways, I will talk to y'all later. Have a good one. Bye.